So, so today uh, we're going we're gonna to do a lesson that I called Questioning God. And I think that when you tell someone you're questioning God, immediately they're going to start to think negative things, right? Like when you say, I'm questioning someone, it sounds uh, negative, right? That you're like, oh, I don't trust them. I've died. But you can also use questioning God as I'm asking questions of God, right? So questioning God doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. Um, but, but we're going to look at this idea of questioning God, kind of the two sides of it. So let's talk about something that happens in our everyday lives. And, and I'm going to be totally honest. As I was writing this out, the more I was typing, I was like, wow, this may just be like a me issue. And maybe not everyone's as awful as I am as a person. But I, I think we'll all um, in some way or another connect to what, what I'm about to talk about. So <clears throat> we walk around and, and obviously... Uh, in our lives, we are egocentric people, right? Meaning that, that we are always worried about what is best for us. And, and I don't mean that in a rude way, but legitimately, like, we are, we are uh, designed by nature to worry about what's going to keep us alive, what's going to be best for us. That's just how we're programmed, right? And, and so we walk around, and, and honestly, we feel like we kind of know everything about everything. And I'll be the first to admit that I do this all the time. It drives Haley insane when she like tells me the plan for the day and I give a suggestion of how I can make the plan better. Like, okay, yeah. So, um, so, but we, we always feel like we need to contribute like our two cents because it's like the most important thing that's ever happened. But maybe, maybe you've experienced this when you're working on a project and you feel like you know a better way to do something than whoever's leading the project. And, you know, many times maybe we just like grin and bear it and just kind of go along with it. Um, but sometimes we get fed up, we get frustrated. And I don't know about you, but the first thing I tend to do, which this is like super passive aggressive, but that's totally kind of me. But um, I start to like ask questions, right? Like, oh, are you sure that's how, uh, that's how you want to do it? Or like this passive aggressive, like, oh, I'm trying to be helpful, but really I'm being like, let me tell you how you could do that better kind of thing. <clears throat> and, and when we ask these questions, we almost hope that whoever that person is starts to question themselves and second guess their decisions so that they'll, so that they'll seek out your advice. And in this moment, you know, you're not asking questions with the intent of maybe learning more about the leader's idea or learning more about how that leader had intended for this to work. Or maybe even you're not asking them with the intention of them to actually be answered. Your, your questions have almost an entirely different agenda to discredit and show that I know just as much about this as you do. Right. That, that's kind of what we're doing. And, and you know. In that moment, they may think we're being nice, but we're really trying to deceive them. And again, <laughs> this, is, this is a way that we ask questions with arrogance, okay? Like that's, that's how we're asking these questions is with an arrogant space. And again, I don't know if that's everyone else in here. I hope that tracked with a few of you at least, but like I do that all the time. So if you hear me asking questions, you'll be like, oh great, here comes Brian with his idea. No, but, um, but like I was typing that out and I was like, wow, maybe I'm just a horrible person and no one else does this. But I think that a lot of us in here know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> so what I fear about this idea of asking questions with arrogance is that we do this same thing to God. 
And, and we go through life trying to follow God's plan for our life. And I think all of us in here would say that at one time or another in our life, we were dedicated, we were sold out to following God's plan for our life to the best of our ability. Right? Even when we're saved, we acknowledge that we're going to fall off that path. We're going to sin. But we make a commitment to follow it to the best of our abilities. And as we go through life and we do this, inevitably we start to reach this point where we think about doing things our own way. Right? That's called sin. Okay? So, so we all reach this point where we think about doing things our own way. Or maybe we even think about if we go our own way or follow our own thought, that it would work out a little bit better than, than what's going on over here. <clears throat> so I think in the same vein... And the same arrogance, we ask God questions, not intending to learn the answer, but rather to try and secretly discredit him, thinking that God's not going to figure that plan out. And I think we reach a point in doing this where we feel very guilty and convicted about our actions. And we should. Right. Don't get me wrong. That's that's called the Holy Spirit working in you and convicting you of your sin. But I think what happens when we do this, it almost leads us to this place of feeling that asking questions to God is wrong. And and I don't know about you guys, but in my life, I've seen this played out where I want to go to God in prayer and say, God, why is this happening? Like, why? I don't understand. Can you give me some direction? Can you tell me how this is going to work out for my benefit? But I'm, I'm afraid to do that because I'm scared that God's going to be like, oh, ye of little faith and like, you know, just throw me to the side. And, and so I, I hope that I'm connecting with you guys whenever I say that asking God questions is not something that's easy to do. And, and, and quite frankly, it's something that probably scares us that we're intimidated to do. So we don't do it. And, and I know this isn't the only reason that we don't ask questions to God. You know, I, we can be afraid to ask God a question because we're scared of the answer. Or maybe you've been in this situation where you feel like you can't ask God the question because a good Christian would already know the answer. The way I know these things, there's really three ways that I know of these. One is I experience them in my own life. Right, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian in the trenches trying to live a Christian life just like you. Just because I'm a minister doesn't mean that I have some sort of like holier than thou like lifestyle that means that I have no questions for God and I know everything about the Bible, right? So I experience these same feelings in my own life. Two is that I see the way people act when they come to ask me a spiritual question. Like, not, I'm not trying to compare myself to God, but when people come to talk to ministers about, like, theological stuff, they get, like, really weird, okay? It's not like having a normal conversation. They're like, can I ask you a question? Who's Jesus? And it's like, you know, and I, I mean, I'm sure there are some ministers out there who would, like, jump over people for, like, jump on people for, like, asking dumb questions, but 
Man, I've never been around a minister who like doesn't embrace a question with like the utmost care and respect of that person, understanding that we're all striving to be more like God. But I see the way people act when they ask me a question, so I can only imagine how they act when they're trying to ask God a question. And then third, I see the way that people react when I ask them what questions they would ask to God. And, and, and if, inevitably what they do is they put up this guard of what they actually want to ask by saying, where did dinosaurs go extinct? Or like I made that joke about T-Rex arms. Like <clears throat> that's legitimately because if I asked someone, what question would you ask God? Did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? Like that's the first answer I get almost every time. Like, um, yeah, some of you guys, you're like mind blown. Did they? I don't know guys. Uh, but anyway, I see the way that people react and, and like, Trust me, if anyone knows that humor is a way to deflect like real feelings, it's me. Okay, like I make jokes all the time whenever I'm feeling lots of different emotions. But, but like I see the way that people respond when I ask them what questions they would ask God. And I know the uncomfortableness that comes with that. So I know that asking questions to God is not an easy thing. And honestly, not just asking questions to God, but asking questions in general, like true, genuine questions that don't come from a place of arrogance. It's a humbling experience. Because basically what you're saying is you're coming before someone and you're admitting that you don't know something. Not only that, but it's coupled with admitting that they know something you don't know. And it's followed by earnestly seeking the answer to your question. All three things have to be there. Admitting you don't know. Admitting they do know. And really seeking to know the answer. <clears throat> when we do this. Uh, or we do this. When we ask a teacher at school. How to solve this math problem. That we can't figure out. I do it when I ask Haley what an adverb is. Um, or that was a joke. You guys can laugh at that. That's okay. <laughs> Brian doesn't know English. Ha ha. Um, or, or maybe we do this when we come before the almighty God and ask him why. So tonight we're going to look at this idea of questioning God. Should it be done? How should it be done? And I think the fear of asking God questions doesn't just come from a fear of humbling ourselves before God. Or, or even a conviction of our arrogance towards God. But I think some of you in here might feel that questioning God is truly unbiblical. That as Christians, we are not allowed to question God. And, and that makes sense why you would think that because God is all powerful, all knowing, and we, we just are supposed to place our faith in God. You know, church just says, have faith in God. You know, there's even a song, have faith in God. He's on his throne. Have faith in God. He watches over his own. He will not fail. Like, we're just supposed to be these people that are just like, God's got this. No big. I'm just going to sit here, chill. Like, and reality sets in when we go, I'm confused and I really want to know why God is allowing this to happen or I really want to know why God's doing this in my life and we feel that we can't ask those questions because it's wrong. We're a bad Christian if we do that. I want you guys to turn to Romans 9. I'll give you a second to get there. We're going to be at verse 20 and we're going to look at what Paul says about this because 
Honestly, if I just ask you to turn to Romans 9.20 and read that verse, I fear many of you would read it and would go, Oh my goodness, we're not supposed to ask God questions. But we're going to really dive deep into Romans 9.20 tonight, and we're going to look at exactly why this verse says that we are only supposed to ask God the right types of questions. And we'll kind of dig through this as we go. So turn to Romans 9.20. Romans 9.20 says, But who are you, O man, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to he who formed it, you make me, why did you make me like this? Like I said, if we just read this independently, this is a pretty incriminating statement to not ask questions of God. Would we all agree with that? Like literally it says, shall what is formed say to he who formed it. Okay, so that's us and God right there. Why did you make me like this? Okay, I'm not allowed to ask God questions is what that says to me, right? If I just read that. Saying things like, who are you human to talk back to God? And I think this brings up a very valid point, and it's going to be our first point of the night. So if you're taking notes, this is going to be point number one, and this is going to be kind of tricky because I'm going to give you point one now, and I'm going to give you points two and three like, Together at the very end. Okay, so don't think you missed them when we get to the end. But this is point one. God does not owe you anything, including answers to your questions. God does not owe you anything. You are not entitled to anything from God. Now, this is hard for many people to grasp and understand because, you know, our, our, our religion and our church and everyone that we hear says, oh, you're a child of God. You know, you are an heir to his throne, you know, like all this stuff. God owes us nothing. God does not need us. God does not require anything from us to be who he is. We do not make God perfect. God is perfect, and then we're over here. God does not owe us anything. And and I keep saying this because we have to get this in our heads before we can move on to the other points. We have to realize that we are humans. We are created. We are finite. We are sinful. And we are little knowing. And we are dealing with a God who is creator, infinite, inerrant, perfect, and all-knowing. So literally all the four things we are not, he is. We are not even close to on the same playing field as God. And because of this, he owes us absolutely nothing. It's comparable to that moment when you're a kid and you ask for a cookie before dinner and your parents say, no, you say why? And they say, because I said so, right? It's equivalent to that moment. No, 
as a kid, we are fully dependent on that parent, right? Fully dependent on that parent. And as annoying as it was, and maybe still is, to hear the phrase, because I said so, it was a reality that all you needed to know in that moment is that you couldn't have the cookie. You didn't need to know why. You didn't need to know, you know, your parents could have gone in to explaining the science behind why you shouldn't eat cookies before dinner and like the sugar, like they could have gone in and explained that. But as eight-year-old child, all you need to know is no cookie for you, okay? But all you cared about in that moment was not getting a cookie and not why you could have had it, right? Right, not why you couldn't have had it. You didn't need to know why you couldn't have the cookie. You just needed to know you couldn't have the cookie. But you ask why, not because you actually cared, but because you wanted, you asked for arrogance, right? You wanted to know, well, why can't I have the cookie? I, I don't really care why I can't have the cookie. I just want you to think about it a second time. Why can't I have the cookie? You know, and then you're hoping your parents will go, that's a really good point. Why shouldn't you have a cookie and then give you the cookie is what you're hoping as a kid. Your parents don't owe you an explanation for why you don't get the cookie. And God doesn't owe you an explanation now for whatever question you have for him. That's hard to hear, right? Just, just like when you're, when you're told you can't have the cookie, that's hard to hear. Because I said so, it's hard to hear. That's why we all know it and we're like, ah, oh, I hate that phrase. Like, it's because it's hard to hear. And, and so we look at God and when God closes a door, takes you in a direction you don't like, or maybe you weren't expecting, or calls you to do something that maybe you don't really want to do, if you ask why, you might get an answer. But be prepared for God to say, because I said so. And let me tell you, just sidebar real quick, those moments when God says, because I said so, can be the most rewarding times in your life to follow God's plan. Because instead of just knowing how he's working in your life, you get to see it play out for yourself. The first thing we have to understand before we even try to ask questions of God is God does not owe us answers to our questions. Once you understand that, we must look back at this verse, Romans 9.20, and we should see, uh, and we see, should, uh, sorry guys, once we understand this, we should look back at this verse and see, should, we should ask the question then, not should we ask questions, but how can we ask questions? We see this quote, that say, shall what is formed say to he who formed it, what did, why did you make me like this? And we jump to the conclusion that we're not to ask questions of God. But we have to remember, like if you read the Bible and you see something in quotation marks, that means that someone has said it previously, right? So, so when Paul says this quote, and if you look in the Bible, the shall what is formed say to him who formed it, why did you make me like this? That's in quotes, Okay? And if you look up where that's quoted, which some of your Bibles have the handy little like numbers and letters that tell you where to actually look. Mine did, which is awesome. But it's directly from Isaiah 29, 16 and Isaiah 45, 6. And you don't have to turn there because I'm going to read those to you right now. 
<clears throat> but Isaiah 29:16 says this, "You turn things upside down as if the potter were thought to be like the clay, shall what is formed say to him who formed it, he did not make me. Can the pot say to the potter, he knows nothing." And then 45:9, let me turn over there real quick. Says, "Woe to him who quarrels with his maker." To him who is but a pot shred uh, among the pot shreds on the ground, does the clay say to the potter, what are you making? Does your work say he has no hands? What we see from these passages is what we talked about earlier. These questions from the clay to the potter, these are asked with arrogance, not humility, right? The clay is saying, I know better than you. Why did you make me like this? We can understand that the clay, something that's totally reliant on the potter to become what it's meant to be, has no place, has no right to be arrogant. In the same way, we being totally reliant on our creator God to become what we were meant to be, have no place, have no right to ask him any questions from a place of arrogance. And, and we can trace through the quoting of these verses in Isaiah that what Paul is saying here in Romans 9 is, is that we are merely humans who owe God, who God owes nothing and that we have now place, we have no place to ask questions of God from the high arcs of arrogance. In this way, we are not to question God's plan. We are not to question God's perfection. We are not to question God's control of anything and everything in our lives. So through all this, we are left where we started asking, should we ask questions of God? So I just took up a bunch of time and we're back where we started. But at least now we know God doesn't owe us anything and we shouldn't ask questions of arrogance. So a process of elimination, we have to look in the Bible for examples of when people ask questions of God and see how God responded to them. So I want to look at two people who ask questions of God and they're in the same chapter. If you want to turn there, you can. I'm going to read them. But I want to look at the way that God responded to these two people and the way they asked these two questions in the same chapter. So we're going to be in Luke 1. Christmas story time, guys. Uh, we're going to be in Luke 1. And I'm going to first read uh, <clears throat> when an, the angel Gabriel comes to uh, Zechariah and tells him that his old and barren wife is going to have a child. Verses 18 through 20 is Zechariah's response. It says, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. And the angel responded, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until this day, the day that this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Okay. I'm 90 plus year old Zachariah here and an angel's like, hey, yo, your wife's going to have a baby. I'm going to be like, uh, no, she's not. Right. Like uh, this, this question here of how can I be sure of this? My wife is old. <laughs> like that feels like a very normal and valid question to ask of God in that moment. Right. 
We could all sit here and go, yeah, I totally get why he asked that question. And yet the angel punishes him. And so I'm sitting here again looking at this going, why then? Uh, I, I am almost referred back to the first time I read Romans 9.20 thinking maybe we're not supposed to ask questions of God. But I want to fast forward just a few verses to verses 34 and 35. And this is where the, where the angel comes and tells Mary that she is going to conceive a child in her response. Mary says, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Okay. How can I be sure of this? How will this be? How can I be sure of this gets punished? How will this be gets rewarded? Such similar sounding questions, but ultimately radically different intentions and ultimately results. We look at Zechariah and his question, how can I be sure of this? And in this moment, Zechariah was not looking for an answer. He was doubting God. Do, do we understand this? I, I don't know about you, but if, but if an angel came and told me something, I would probably be like, yeah, whatever you say, angel, you're like glowing and I'm scared of you right now and I'm just going to go with it. You know, like that would probably be my response. But Zechariah needed more proof. He asked, how do I know what you're saying is true? He wasn't convinced that this was true. He was doubting God. He was saying, maybe I, I know more than God. My wife can't have a baby. I know that. God doesn't know my wife. Is like, I don't think he was probably thinking that, but it was along that lines is what was kind of going through his mind. Like, I know the situation. Don't come up here telling me that my wife's going to have a baby. And ultimately, because of his doubt and his arrogant stance on it, he was punished. Mary's question, on the other hand, came from a place of humility and a place of faith. It was her desire to know God and to understand his will for her life. She doesn't say, why has this happened to me? Can you prove to me that this has happened to me? She says, I don't understand. How, how did this happen? I'm a virgin. How am I pregnant? She, she was earnestly seeking these answers. Right? This was not saying, oh, I'm not pregnant. I'm a virgin. It was... How can I be pregnant? I'm not a virgin. I am a virgin. It was a desire to know God, to understand God and his will for her life. And I want you to understand this right now. God doesn't just want for you to ask him questions. He desires for you to earnestly seek him. The best way as humans that we know to seek a God that we do not understand is to ask questions. But it has to be done from a place of humility. It has to be done with a humble heart. A place where we come before God. Acknowledging that we don't know the answer. And, and petitioning him for it. And admitting that he knows the answer that we don't know. And earnestly wanting to know the answer. Not just saying it because we're mad. Not just saying it because we think we know better. 
but to say it because I truly desire to know God and I truly want to understand God's plan for my life and why this is happening to me or why this is happening in the world or why God allows this to happen. Truly desiring these answers, not from a place of just so I know it, but from a place of knowing that I will better understand God for knowing this answer. So what does this mean for us? And, and here's your three main point takeaways. I already gave you one. Here's two and three. Okay. One. We, this is the new one. Just follow me. One. God desires for us to ask questions of him. So when we sit here and we ask the question, should we question God? Yes. Absolutely we should. Not in a way that we question God in a hateful way that we talked about where we doubt him, but we are to ask God questions. He wants us to. He asks us to ask him questions. Two, the questions must come from a place of humility. And then three is the first point originally. God doesn't owe you answers. You could be the most earnestly seeking person after God's heart. You could ask him a question from the most humble place you've ever been in your life, and he may not answer it. And you have to be okay with that. We have to remember that last one because when and if God doesn't answer our questions, we have to be people who continue to have faith and trust that his plan is perfect and will guide us where he wants us to go.